Another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley, holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop to the King Harold Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald, podcast whiz, and future and soon-to-be honeymooner, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going today? Will, all things considered, it's it's going all right. Uh, we got a fun little Ask Jerry Anything podcast for, uh, for our King's Herald community today, so I'm excited to ask Jerry some interesting basketball questions. He's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM, and color analyst, the general manager of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, and the true pride of French Lick himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Well, it's great to be with you guys. Looking forward to the questions and, uh, you know, hope I can answer them. Let's get a little weird, Jerry. So we uh, we decided we're going to do something a little different for today's episode and let uh, everyone out there in the, uh, in the podcast world have their chance to ask you and Tony and myself questions. Uh, this is unlike, uh, not unlike our Patreon exclusive uh, Q&A shows that we do once a month and can be accessed for uh, like five bucks a month at patreon.com slash Kings Herald. Uh, we've collected questions from Twitter, uh, Twitter DMs, chain mails. We've, we've, we've basically done everything we could and we've tied Jerry to a chair and he's here until we answer them all. So Jerry, the first one up, he's, uh, he's, from, he's a friend of the show, uh, Michael M. McKay. He says, Jerry, what do you think is the most impactful perspective in player decision-making from playing time to roster makeup that even the most ardent fans are not privy to, or more simply put, what does Jerry think the fans miss the most in evaluating players? Well, that's a, you know, that's a great question. Uh, maybe impossible to answer. Uh, I, you know, I do think that uh, when you look at players and, uh, and I've heard this from really people that, you know, I've respected a lot over the years uh, is that you look for translatable skills. In other words, uh, do does a player, you know, not only have an NBA skill, but a special skill? How how special is he? And then if, because if he does, you know, a, a la Steph Curry shooting the ball, let's say, not, not that he doesn't have other skills, but just off the charts kind of skills. Well, uh, if a player does have something that special of the, of the skills necessary, uh, you can, you know, you can accomplish a lot with that, you know, much like a, uh, I would say a, a Vladi Divac's passing center, you know, well, that's un, that, those, you, you know, that's a skill that it, not only is it translatable, but it's almost impossible to, to come up with. And so, you know, it, I guess what I'm trying to say, if you find players that have some of those kind of things and you can fit them into your team, uh, you've got a chance to make your team better. <laughs> I don't know if that answers your question. Tony, is there, a, is there anything that you feel like uh, as a fan that you, you miss more often than not or something that you're like, man, I wish I had access to this where when I'm trying to scout a player, I just, I just don't get it or I just don't have it available to me? Yeah, definitely. There's two things that make me uh, that make me lose a lot of confidence when I talk about basketball players. One of them is specifically on defense, and I guess offense. You can you can uh, attribute this to offense sometimes too. 
but there's a lot of stuff that's happening on the court that we just don't know. Like we don't know what a player is supposed to do on a given defensive possession. So I'm, I could be very quick to criticize a rotation, but maybe there was something that the coach told him where that was the right position that he should be in. So that's a thing about defense that I sometimes have a hard time with where we can, we see what we see, but we don't know what they're supposed to do. So it's always hard gauging, like, did this player make a mistake? And sometimes it's obvious, but other times it's, it's not as obvious. And you don't know if, you know, maybe Luke Walton or whatever coach or team you're talking about wanted his player to make that read or that rotation. Um, so it's foolish for someone like myself to criticize what they did when they're doing what their coach told them. And that's just information that we don't have. So I'm always a little bit afraid of making big statements or big points when there's so much information about this stuff that we just can't read from watching. Um, and the other part is, uh, so that's sort of a, a, something that I struggle with when I'm watching what happens on the court, but also in evaluating draft prospects, there's just so much that we don't see off the court. And that's why uh, interviews are, are more, maybe more important than, than sometimes they should be. But we don't know what these guys are like personally. And it's funny because when I think about other things in my life, like if the kind of person someone is, is something I usually uh, evaluate like in first when I'm making relationships or making friends, it's like, hey, is this the kind of person that I want to be around? And for basketball players or scouting, that's stuff that we just don't know at all. So I think that also leads to a lot of wrong takes when there's, there's personality issues that we just can't, can't know. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to add to that a little bit if I could, too. Uh, that, you know, for the draft kind of thing, and we've talked about this before, but I, I really used to love to do this, seeing the psychological profile, some that the NBA would do, we'd do some ourselves, or I did for years. And, and I really uh, like that because you could, uh, I thought, put, put some stock in it. You know, are guys coachable? Uh, you know, are they going to be good teammates? You could, uh, some of that's, you know, you could find that out and some uh, maybe not so much. Now, having said that, I mean, uh, say a, a Kobe, uh, he doesn't have to be uh, a great teammate, you know, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, uh, he's a yeah. great teammate because he's great uh, <laughs> or Michael Jordan or whatever. But, but I mean, I would say like the Francisco Garcia's or Kevin Martin's or a lot of 90% of the players, whether, you know, the Doug Christie's, you can go on and on. They need, that's a very important part of it. You know, uh, you look at their valuations. I mean, they're not going to be major stars per se. So they need to be coachable. They need to be good teammates. And then, so when you find guys who are draftable players and they, they really have red flags in those areas, don't be surprised if it doesn't work out very well. Uh, I mean, and, and I mean, there's guys, you know, that have a lot of red flags that are, you know, they're not all star level, but well, they don't, it's not surprising when you check back in a few years, they're not in the league. Sure. I think one of the things that we missed out on as regular fans as compared to, to, to you, Jerry, or, or to other people in organizations is that is, is from you, you talk a lot about, uh, you would call up uh, uh, players, uh, high school coaches or call up their teachers and, and see how they were in the classroom or see how they were, you know, just in general, a few years prior. And, and for me, I would love to call up Davion Mitchell's high school, uh, you know, English teacher and be like, Hey, how was he as a student, you know, or, or call up his high school coach and go, Hey, is this guy actually playable and cut through every, every basketball coach is going to say, Oh, he's the greatest player in the world. You should draft him as high as possible because that makes you look good. Oh, I, I coached a guy who ended up yeah. third in the draft, but uh, I would like to cut through some of that bullshit 
you know, that you see on Instagram or on YouTube where the coach goes, oh, he's the best player I've ever coached. And I, I need to know. I need to hear from you straight from the mouth. Can he play basketball or are we just playing around here? But Yeah, I agree with you there, uh, Will. I mean, I always thought that was really important, you know, to kind of go back into the background and, and you know, find people that certainly you knew, knew the young man, True. you know, uh, neighbor, you know, I mean, just find as many people you know, kind of on the periphery if you could, but that, but they had, had access and, and you'd find some, it, it's interesting because I mean, some guys, you'd, you know, you'd have interviews with him. You think, oh, he's a pretty good guy. Well, you'd go back and find out, no, he's a real asshole. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, no, people didn't really just very pompous, you know, had some issues, yeah. very serious issues. And others are just, oh, what a, he, he's always been just uh, just like you thought he was and just like he presented himself. So, so yeah, I think it's uh, I, I think a lot of teams that don't do that are, are missing a missing a good opportunity, truthfully, because as you pointed out, and you're so right. I mean, if you want to talk to his agent and his college coach, uh, just yeah, well, okay, just uh, take that for what it's worth, which is nothing. All right, uh, next question here, and Jerry, I don't know if you saw this, uh, but the Kings are now the the betting favorites to land Ben Simmons if he is moved from the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, so, so Vegas or or betters might know something that we don't know. So, uh, on that note, Joe Garcia asks on Twitter, uh, loaded question, but if you had to give up one of the Kings' three guards, Halliburton, Fox, or Mitchell, in a deal for Simmons, who would it be? Well, I'd be willing to give up. I mean, certainly Fox would be the last one I'd want to give up. Halliburton would be uh, next, and then I'd give up Mitchell first. I mean, I just think that that makes the most sense. Uh, now, I also know that that wouldn't be enough to get Ben Simmons any way you look at it, but I certainly think uh, as much as I like Davion, and I think, I, I think he's proven that he has uh, proven the least and uh, has the most maybe and the most approved, which I think at some point he will. But those other two guys, uh, if you can get Simmons and keep those other two guys, you'd be very happy campers, I think. Will? I, I think it I think it depends on what the rest of the deal is. Like if, if it's Davion and five draft picks or Halliburton and, you know, three draft picks uh, or two draft picks or no draft picks, I think that kind of gives into the deal only because I don't think Davion Mitchell moves the needle enough, uh, as Jerry pointed out, to to make that trade. Uh, like it's it's Fox in in terms of least to most likely to give up. Like I would much I'd be much happier to give up Mitchell than Fox, but one's going to get you, one's going to guarantee a deal, and one's going to get the phone hung up on you right now. And so I, I I would I would much rather give up Mitchell, and then I'd be less likely to give up Halliburton. And I'd be hesitant to give up Fox, but I would still do all those deals. Just depends on if it's Fox, then I, then it's Fox for Simmons straight up or it's Fox and a little something for Simmons and a little something. And there won't be much else in the way of draft draft capital or anything else. If it's Davion Mitchell and we have to give up three, four, five picks. Uh, okay. Well then, then that's a little rich another way, but uh, I would say Mitchell just, just if we're talking about who's your just simply who you want, out most or or yeah sure it's Mitchell then yeah I would agree with that and I just think part of that for me anyways is just that I I love the De'Aaron Fox Tyrese Halliburton backcourt and Mitchell could fit in with either one of them as well but uh to me Halliburton is a much more steady um 
player off the ball or as a secondary ball handler. Whereas, you know, Mitchell and Fox, I like that fit fine, but just a little bit less. So if you're optimizing the lineup, if you can get Halliburton Fox and Ben Simmons on the same team, that's very appealing to me. So our next question is, uh, and I'm only because this is uh, running on a similar vein here. This is from a King Child user, uh, Gabriel uh, Boniat. Um, Is Fox better than Simmons? And is there a good justification for not swapping those two players via a trade? It's again, obviously a great, great, great point. Is Fox better than Simmons? He absolutely is offensively. He absolutely isn't defensively. He absolutely isn't uh, defensive presence. Uh, He isn't as far as uh, playmaking. So, uh, and uh, to date, he hasn't uh, been as important toward winning games. And and I'm not, and I'm not blaming Fox for that necessarily. I mean, but at some point you you really want to win games, I think. And the one guy has been on a lot of winners now, how much he's not been the main man where Fox has been the main man. So it's different. Uh, in answer to your question, I'm not trying to jerk around here. I, I, I honestly think that uh, as good as Fox is, and I think he's a near all-star and will be an all-star. Of course, Simmons has been an all-star. Uh, I really think that uh, if, if, in fact, the Kings decided to trade Fox for Simmons, I think the Kings would be better, would be a better team since the, uh, the and uh, not all depending on, on Simmons, uh, but I think with Halliburton and, and Mitchell, uh, you know, you've got a, a pretty, pretty potent guard line and, and Simmons just fills so many different spots that need filled. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how else to put it. And, and you know, and, and I, if he never learns to shoot free throws, then it won't work very well. But uh I, I just kind of believe that uh, he's got two healthy arms and two eyeballs and should, should be able to, to, to be get better in that particular area. Tony, what's your stance on this? Yeah. If you asked me this question before last season, I would have uh, had Ben Simmons over De'Aaron Fox pretty easily. And maybe this is me falling into the Ben Sam- Simmons negative narrative a little too deep. Um, but with the career year De'Aaron Fox had last year, and then the somewhat down year, but really his year was fine. It was really the playoffs where Ben Simmons's play sort of took a dip and this uh, criticism started coming out against him. It would be hard for me to, to put Ben Simmons over De'Aaron Fox, especially if we're talking with a, a trade where you have a player in Fox who we know it, uh, wants to be here. There was a report last week that he was content in quotes in Sacramento trading for a guy like Ben Simmons, who we don't know what kind of uh new home he's looking for would he be satisfied in sacramento coming from philly i don't know so just if they're close but the risk in trading a player we know likes to be here who is on an upward trajectory versus a player who may not who could be on the somewhat decline or at least had a rough year although i do think ben simmons is going to be great next year for whatever team he's on um it's a very close way of saying i think i just take fox by, by a small margin yeah, it's it's interesting because I, I think Fox, uh, this team has been built around Fox, you know, being the main cog and you, you pull Fox out of this team and put Ben Simmons in there. You're going to lose something, you know, pretty significant in the way of scoring, but you open up different opportunities on the defensive end where, you know, you know, with Davion Mitchell and, and Tyrese Halliburton and and Ben Simmons and 
and and Rashawn Holmes on your team, those are some guys that are going to get after it. I mean, those are those are some guys that are all you know fantastic defenders or or slotted to be good defenders at some point at least in their career and i don't know what that team looks like i don't know if they go from being a a a great scoring team to a terrible scoring team and a terrible defensive team to one of the top five but it would be something that if they did it i would be oh we're in the shit now we need to uh i'd root for it i'd be i'd be fine with it as it happens because that's a big time monty mcnair move but it, it they're different. They're such different players in terms of, in terms of what they bring up to the floor. It would, it would, it would absolutely wipe the Kings slate clean and what, what to expect from them. And uh, I, I don't see any reason why not to do it other than you want a high scoring, you want a fast up and down team. And, and Ben Simmons is more that guy that you plan something else around. Yeah, I, I thought, I mean, I think Tony makes a good point there as far as the chemistry part, because, I mean, uh, De'Aaron's been an absolute uh, wonderful ambassador as well as a marvelous young talent, and you're taking a risk uh, chemistry-wise, I suppose. But, you know, to me, that's kind of like every, in the maybe the two greatest trades ever made by the Kings, uh, that that same thing came up, whether it's when it's a Chris Weber mm-hmm. trade, exact same things were asked, you know, how's he, he doesn't want to be here. He's, he doesn't, you know, how's he going to fit? And, and of course, when we got Mitch Richmond, the same thing, he didn't want to be here. How's he going to fit? Well, they did, Yeah, sure. you know, mm-hmm. they, they did. And, and I, and, and I think uh, if, if you, you know, here again, that would be a major, it would be a gamble, It'd be a major yeah. gamble, uh, both teams, by the way. Yeah. Be a major, it'd be a major gamble. You know, with Philly, where all the problems of Simmons, they know they can win fifty-five games, yeah. and be a and be a threat uh, in the East when the uh, you know come out of there. Uh, and they don't know that with with Fox and uh, the Kings fan. You know, from a Kings perspective, with Fox, you know he's an all-star on the make if he continues, and he's a wonderful young man and all that. Uh, so there's no risk going forward, but you also don't know if you're ever going to win. Yeah. Just win enough. And uh, so anyway, I guess I'm, I'm uh, you know, playing both ends against the middle. But yes, and, and honestly, I would make the trade. I would just, you know, we always talk about uh, at some point you got to swing for the fences. That's a swing for the fences. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it is. My hesitancy there is like, and I know Jerry, you would, you agree with this too, even though it's a point you didn't make, like the ideal is to have them both in the same team. So then you can really start yes. making some difference. Um, yes, so when yes, you're switching yes. one for the other, it's like, ah, what are we doing? Are we making any, are we making progress here or what? Um, but I guess we'll see what, what McNair has in store for. Uh, well, for, that's why it's a great question. Yeah. But right. I mean, yeah, you make, uh, there's no reason to have easy questions. I mean, obviously it's a catch 22 kind yeah. of thing. And, you know, for the Kings to really become terrific, uh, which they could, if you had Simmons and Fox. Yeah. So, so Monty do that. One. Yeah. Monty, come on. <laughs> Tony, I've got, I've got one more Ben Simmons question here. If yeah. Go for it. it. Okay. So this is from uh, Kings Herald user deep shot 22. He said, you're Monty McNair, Daryl Mo- Morey calls, and this is going to lead right into what you guys were just talking about. Daryl says, I'm going to give you Thibault and Ben Simmons for Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, and Tyrese Halliburton. You've got 60 seconds to decide. What would you do? Jeez, now we got, we got Simmons and Thibault, right? Yep, you got Matisse Thibault, Ben Simmons for Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, and Tyrese Halliburton. No picks, nothing else involved. 
Just those three guys. Woo. I'd do it. I might. It'd take me more than sixty seconds. To tell you that. Uh, but I think I'd do it. I, I think. I think the the uh, the upshot of Matisse Thybul being on that in that switch is is the kicker for me. That he him being the level of defender that he is to get two guys that'll be all defensive first team guys, and you keep a De'Aaron Fox, and you keep a Davion Mitchell. You know that we might take it. It might take a year or two to figure it out, but that's a team that has that has very scary potential on the defensive end, and could could be more than decent on the offensive end for me. Well, yeah, and the other part, and, and I know this will, you know, make half the uh, Kings Herald dislike me immediately, <laughs> but uh, uh, Buddy Hield would become one of your favorite players pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, he might he might be a twenty five point a game scorer. <laughs> I tell you what, his his world would get really easy for him, and uh, it you know it looked more like the buddy of a couple of years ago. I, I mean, I, I really think that that's the unintended consequences sometimes that you don't see. It's like, oh, okay, sure. uh, now and and you know and, and would and I think if you had those kind of guys, Buddy's defense would look a lot different. You know, because I mean, it's not lack of effort; it's sometimes not knowing what to do or being unfocused but uh anyway i yeah it'd be uh that'd be another swing for the fences but but i honestly think it 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 would be a, one of those that uh, probably would res- almost for sure result in more w's and well we like w's yes, remember we that yeah yeah <laughs> the buddy healed thing is funny i was thinking about this earlier today we've been uh, mock trading buddy healed for two years now but the most likely big contract going back to Philly in any Ben Simmons trade is Harrison Barnes. Why would they not want Harrison Barnes more than Buddy Heald for losing Ben Simmons? So it is it is funny that at the end of all this, the Kings might end up with a rebalanced roster, but still have Buddy Heald on it regardless. Yeah. And also uh, just 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 thinking of the three uh, the three guard lineup of Fox, Buddy Heald, and Matisse Thibault. That's a pretty scary. That's a nice. I mean, Davion Mitchell getting thrown into the mix there too. That's a that's a fun team. I, I'm I'm good with it. So yeah, I mean, and I think Fox uh, defensively is capable of being, you know, I mean, he hasn't been. And I don't want to give him credit for stuff he hadn't done, but athletically, I mean, you you put some real blasters out there, you know, like those guys. I mean, uh, I, I I really think he'd buy in and become a real stopper himself. I mean, you 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 could create a lot of problems. And and uh, I, Coach Walton might even request request that the guards pick up their guys sooner, and really you know make it make the world's miserable a basketball hell so to speak because they could yeah. do it yeah. Yeah. basketball hell <laughs> yes. yes good version uh, um, in, in a positive way for yeah. a change. These comments are going to be very interesting. Uh, all three of us just traded Tyrese Halliburton, which, which has like an approval oh, rating of a million in Sacramento. I know, and, and you love yeah. the guy, and, and, I love him and too. you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose him. Yeah, and, but I, that's what this is hypothetical stuff. But what what we're doing, you know, and I don't have any problem with it uh, if it's to make your team better, absolutely, yeah. and give you a better chance to win ball games. It, you know, I sound like a mafia guy, but. It's bit. It it's just business. It ain't personal. <laughs> yes. Well, we'll stick with the with the roster moves. There's some goofier questions later, but since we're knee deep in the basketball talk, um, this question comes from uh, Megalutu on Twitter, and I thought this was really uh, a fun, interesting what if. Um, he says, "What is the one move Jerry would have avoided, whether that be a trade, firing, coaching change, 
that he thinks was the difference between getting in the playoffs the last 15 years. Also, the show is just gold. Such a great listen. Thank you, Megalutu, for, for the comments. But Jerry, what's uh, if you could take one move back? Well, I, I would have never gotten rid of Dave Yeager. That's one. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think Dave is a good coach. Uh, I mean, is he the next Greg Popovich? But no, I, I thought he was on the right track. Uh, I thought uh, really uh, at the end of the year, things went on the wrong way because of the Brandon Williams little pissing contest that didn't need to happen. Yeah, uh, it was just no reason for it, and it affected the team. And 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 Dave, I know Dave was, uh, you know, it, it affected him. And and so that that's one thing. I mean, I just off the top, I, I think the team would have been, you know, really in a pretty good position. Uh, quite honestly, uh, just with a, a minimal move or two uh, going forward. Do you think? Um... Because Dave Yeager is an interesting one. Do you think Dave Yeager, like, would you have rewound back to Dave Yeager or would you have rewound back to Michael Malone? Like, do you give one coach the edge there over the other? No, well, they're different. But, yeah, but yeah that, uh, I, yeah, when you think uh, there's so many things King should have done, yeah. could have done, uh, and certainly keeping Michael Malone, uh, Michael Malone, other than Rick Adelman, is probably the best coach <clears throat> the Kings have had. Mm. Uh, uh, is short term and all that. And I, uh, I, I just, uh, you know, once you've been mired in uh, enough losing, you kind of go, it's, you know, you kind of, I didn't go back far enough, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but I prob- probably, I would say that, yeah, even more so. And I, and I think both would have been true. Yeah. I think if you'd have kept Michael, I, I don't think, I never thought that he and, uh, DeMarcus would have lasted very long together. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was a, a romance that was, a uh, subject to break apart at any time because I, I know Michael I mean that 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 uh, tea kettle would could have exploded just about any time but uh, but I that has nothing to do with his coaching ability he's a, he's a terrific coach as he's proven and and I think and I think uh, you know with uh, just basically ability to coach the team as he saw fit I think he had a playoff team in reasonable time whether with cousins or without or with replacements and uh and then of course and i'd say the same thing about dave i think they were both capable of with the right support and a few you know i, I always say too i i think one of the things that that i think is missed sometimes uh and i and i always felt like you know the coach should not have anybody traded off his team that he doesn't want traded off or anybody traded on that he doesn't want simple rule mm-hmm. uh I always remember that was, uh, you know, Bill Russell told me that was a Red Auerbach's theory, you know, and I thought, you know, Red had some success. Uh, And so, uh, and I thought that, and I don't think that's probably been consistent pattern here in the last 15 years. Yeah. Will, you could take one move back. What changes the most? I I got short-term memory here. So we're going to go with, um, I think the move that the Kings traded uh, Stauskas, Carl Landry, Jason Thompson, an unprotected pick and some pick swaps there. I, I'm going to say that that was a big time move uh, that, that kind of screwed the Kings over because uh, the Kings, obviously they got the third pick and they got swapped only down to the five where they drafted Darren Fox. But I'm a big time believer in Jason Tatum who was selected third there. Um, I, I think that uh, with the roster that the Kings had that very next year in 2017, 
I think that could have been a, a playoff team where they had uh, a bogey as a rookie. Uh, they would have had Jason Tatum there. Um, they'd have had George Hill, who probably wouldn't have done anything, but where he doesn't have to mentor another point guard and they give him the full range of the offense. Maybe that's a little bit different where he's not seen as a, Oh, you're going to be here for a year. And until we give the reins over to De'Aaron Fox, I, I think that's, I think that's a big enough change that Jason Tatum given free range right off the bat from, from day one, I think Hill and, and bogey and Jason Tatum, maybe not right off, maybe not year one, but at least in the years to follow, Tatum is a good enough player that I think he'd have pulled the Kings to the playoffs or having a forward of his caliber is, is so different than having a great point guard that it's a lot harder to find forwards of his uh, scoring acumen and his, and his abilities. So I think that things would have just fallen into place maybe a little bit better for the Kings. And I think the Kings, especially with, with Jaeger might've been able to, to get there uh, at least by this point, but maybe even a couple of years earlier than today. Yeah, I do think, you know, if you really want to look at it from the standpoint of draft, there's a hundred things the Kings could have done. And so I didn't. And so, I I mean, you know, obviously uh, you take Luka Doncic, how's that? That, that would be a quick, that would have been a quick, quick fix, but that didn't happen. So, so I, I just didn't want to kind of go that way because there's so many ways to go or, or why didn't they, why didn't you try to trade the pick for Chris Paul or something, you know, that sort of thing, yeah. you know, cause you, I also, uh, I also got to say that uh, I think Vladi Divac did say that if, if he had gotten the third pick, he'd have still picked De'Aaron Fox. So I, I could have just, I could have yeah, just rewound yeah. and, and reset the whole universe <laughs> and then watched Vladi Divac pick De'Aaron Fox third instead of fifth. And then I would have just completely screwed myself out of it. Yeah. And, and you know, I, you could make the case that would have been, a, that would have been a good pick. Yeah. It would have been a good pick. I mean, uh, you get Darren Fox at three. That's a good pick. Now, is it as good a pick as Jason Tatum? Not yet. You know, I mean, Tatum has been better. So you <laughs> haven't said all that. They're, they're both far better than uh, Markel Fultz, <laughs> yeah. who's number one. So <laughs> uh, I'll go way, way back. Um, and maybe Jerry has some insight on on this person better than, than I do from an outsider. But uh, I would just not hire Pete D'Alessandro and see where the chips fall because Vivek unorthodox uh, move hired his coach before his GM, but he hired the right coach. He hired a very good coach in Michael Malone. So I just want to see what the chemistry, the front office chemistry looks like, what the future outlook is. Uh, we avoid all the mess with George Carl and, and firing Malone and all of that. Um, I just want to see what, what the King's trajectory is. If there was a different general manager besides one uh, like Pete D'Alessandro. Yeah. Well, I've always said that, you know, to me, it's like, obviously, I think with uh, Michael Malone, uh, the first hire that uh, Vivek made was the, the best he's made. Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was the right hire. I mean, it just uh, didn't get a chance to go to fruition. But I've always said there was a, a great opportunity. And I think the Kings have had several since, uh, you know, of basically hiring a proven uh, GM. Yeah. You know, you know, hire, you know. Go, go try to hire Sam Presti, go to hire, you know, try to hire guys that, you know, have done it, that are out there. You know, you might have to overpay them a little bit, but uh, general managers don't make what coaches make. And so, uh, and, and I, and I think that's, I've always said, that's where you could really, uh, a small market can make the most headway uh, easier if, you know, by overpaying to get a, a proven, competent, highly skilled GM, <laughs> you yeah. know, that, you know, 
because uh, unless things change and happen in my lifetime, you know, they will say and follow the money. It, it, it's true. And, and a guy, you know, I mean, I always remember Jerry West telling me years ago how he was always offended. He saw where Bob Whitsett got a million dollars or something when he was in, in uh, Portland and he was making 500,000 with the Lakers and people didn't realize how little he was making. Well, if somebody, you know, I mean, it, it's like, well, yeah. Uh, so somebody, even the great Jerry West, somebody make the right deal, which Memphis eventually did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, there's, there's, there are people, there's people you can get. And, and uh, I think, anyway, I just think that's, that's a kind of a, a situation that, uh, you know, it's kind of like hiring an assistant coach. Uh, uh, you know, you, you sometimes you get the right ones, but it, it's uh, less risk if you get somebody who's, you know, I don't like the idea that always fans are oh, retreads. Well, I'll take a Rick Carlisle retread any day of the week. Uh, you know, that's called a winning retread. Now, somebody's, you know, that's had five jobs and lost it all of them. No, I, I don't see any reason for that, but. Uh, same way with the GM. If a guy's been executive of the year a couple of times, uh, might be he uh, knows what he's doing. Might be. All right. So with this current roster, this is from uh, King Child user Melmuth. Um, with the current roster, who would you position as the sixth man, first man off the bench? Is that still Halley or is it now Davion or another candidate who doesn't feel threatened by that role? Oh, uh, well, offhand, I mean, for me, the, the, the ideal six man with the current roster is his buddy. Absolutely. I mean, I just think he, he, he could be one of the best in the league. Uh, he could be the unhappiest six man of the year, uh, as well as the best. Sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, he has that potential. And, and at some point, that's, uh, you know, you it's uh, up to the coach to, to, you know, to point out that, hey, you're really good at this. We need you to be good at this. It makes it fit for us better. Uh, there's been a lot of six men in the league that were actually better than you are that handled a role and, and were really good at it. You, you, you're, you know, you're, you're not making great sacrifices. You're being paid very well uh, for this role. And uh, just, but that's what I would do. I, I like the, I like the Halliburton Fox starting backcourt. Uh, I think with Davion, you, you, you try to get him as many minutes as you can. And when you go small and, uh, and I think there's minutes there, but so that's what I would do. Uh, Tony, what do you think about that one? Yeah, I think buddy is the answer. And I'll, I'll even take it a step uh, further where is if buddy was like a um, happy being a sixth man, if he was confident and comfortable in that role, I wouldn't try and trade him at all. I mean, every trade proposal that is coming up for buddy healed is always a talent loss for the Kings. Every single one of these trade proposals, it's under the assumption that Buddy doesn't want to be here or the Kings don't want him as a starter anymore or he won't accept his role. That's why his value sort of is what it is. If he was just happy being a sixth man, I don't need to trade him at all. Just let him play 30 minutes per game, score a ton of points. He did that uh, great under Dave Yeager when Bogdanovich was the starter. So it, it comes down to Buddy and his his what he wants, I guess. But um, if he would just accept that role, he's perfect for a team like the Kings and he could win six men of the year easily. He's, you know, instantly one of the most talented players off the bench in the entire league. How does that change? If say, but say buddy is moved off the roster and we don't know who, but just say buddy is not there. Who then would you, would you uh, position as your sixth man? Would it be somebody like uh, a Terrence Davis? Would it be somebody who like, I would say maybe Tristan Thompson, 
who you just traded and you're paying a good deal of money for, who are you, who are you slotting in there? If, if buddy's just deleted from the roster. Well, if buddy's not there, probably somebody came in his place, don't you suppose or not? So that's hard to say, Yeah, yeah. but, but I mean, to me, it, it almost have to be Dave, Davion, wouldn't it? Uh, find a way, you know, sure. to, you know, so all of a sudden he's going to get significantly more minutes and, you know, try to go small more. Mm-hmm. And so now all of a sudden you got him playing behind Fox Halliburton and, and Halliburton plays some, some small forward in spots. So, uh, I'd have to think uh, Mitchell would be your guy uh, there if that's the case. But of course, that's, that's, uh, I guess, assuming that the Kings get zero. For yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess another name I'd throw out there if he's on the roster is Marvin Bagley. I don't know. I mean, he's probably slotted in as a starter today, but you could easily start Harrison Barnes at the four, yeah. do something small at the three and, you know, have one of these talented players take ownership of the bench unit instead of trying to cram them all in the starting unit, because that hasn't really worked for the Kings. And I know Marvin Bagley probably won't like that either, but I mean, you, you give him 25 minutes a night where he can be the guy on offense and see what he does because him being fourth in line in shots in the starting lineup hasn't really worked out for him. You know, when he gets the ball, he forces it. He's not a great passer. So maybe something like that, just to have him find some offensive rhythm wouldn't be the worst scenario in the world for, for him at this stage of his career. Well, he could do it. I mean, and, and I, I do, I think, you know, I always said he, he, he could do a lot for the Kings, what Corliss Williams did for the Pistons uh, when yeah. Larry Brown was coaching the Pistons. I mean, uh, he got six man of the year, but I mean, Corliss has some limitations, but he could score and he, and, and they, they played him 25 minutes a night as a off the bench. And when they, when he, when they played him, they went to him, they went to mm-hmm. him for offense and he got his, 15 shots, 14, 15 shots in 25 minutes. And I think uh, Marvin Bagley probably could, you know, certainly could do this, some of the same things. I'm not saying he's exactly the same kind of player, but I, he could be a productive offensive offensive scorer and rebounder in lim- more limited minutes and a more of a go-to role off the bench uh, if they decide to go that way. And if uh, he chose to uh, accept it and be happy with it and, if I wasn't an old fart, all those things are ifs. It's <laughs> a lot of ifs, Jerry. A lot of big ifs. <laughs> uh, switching gears a little, kind of a, a fun uh, question. This comes from Gene Ross on Patreon. Um, Jerry, how good of a job did the makers of the movie Hoosiers do in depicting small town Indiana in the 1950s? Uh, pretty good. Uh, pretty good. You know, it was uh, it's supposed to be kind of a copy or a, a of the 1954 Milan Indians uh, who, who won the state championship in 1954, a school of 110, I think, in high school that won the state championship. It was actually against Muncie Central, which is a school of 3,400. Uh, yeah. and, and, and so, and, and, and basically that did happen. That was actual, actual reality. Now where, uh, where they, you know, they deviated from actually Milan the year before had been a top, four or 16 in the state the year before. And they, and they had, you know, three guys that went on to have major, major college uh, outstanding players. And of course, Muncie Central had three or four as well. So, so it's based on that. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that the, the, the actual games and stuff was probably, uh, uh, they kind of went back maybe 
too far because it, nobody were pl was playing with uh, anything but glass backboards in the e even in the 50s in Indiana and the, and most of the little gyms they played in uh, most of those had been replaced with bigger gyms even by the middle 50s so it was a little bit of a you know kind of made it a little more countryized than 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 the reality would have been but I was say i mean that's the only thing it's yeah it was very loosely based and a marvelous story but uh, the, like say the truth of it was the the myelin indians even though that was a small team a small high school they had three big time players <laughs> you know which is which can happen when you have a couple of families with athletes you know in basketball uh you know that 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 happens and and of course uh the educators of the state i might add uh, in, in the last 20 years have made sure that doesn't happen again they've went to classes like every other state and so they they and now the state doesn't draw as well and it's not nearly as you know <laughs> you know they typical they never really got it you know i always say what what they didn't what they missed is that the small high school of a hundred or so even if they couldn't be a state contender if they could beat the big school in their area once every five or ten years which they could uh I'd always remember one of the early kings, Don Boozy, who was my assistant for a while, was a great player, an all-star in ABA and NBA, and finished his career with the Kings. But he was a, a town called Holland, Indiana, had uh, had like 80 in high school. He led them to an unbeaten season and uh, got to the Sweet 16 before they were beaten by a big school. Well, he, you know, he would never had that option, you know, to 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 play. Or, and, and I mean, like he, he'd always said, he said, you know, I mean, people, he said, they, they, they realized I was really good because they saw me play against the big schools. He said, nowadays, a kid from a little bitty school, they play other little bitty schools and they don't uh, get any recognition. So anyway, it, I, I went overboard there, but oh, <laughs> no. I, but here's the, here's, I got to tell you this one though. The, the actual coach of Milan, which is the, the Hickory, uh, sure. the deal gene hackman's what, role gene yeah. hackman's role was a guy named marvin wood well marvin wood of course became a, a hero of all time you know in india as he should have you know leading him to state championship and all that he was fired from french lick indiana high school three years <laughs> before that <laughs> and, and, wow. and, and I, I mean it's typical of indiana stuff because i always remember you know, just being a smart ass like I am, uh, going to some of the so-called geniuses around the, you know, the basketball geniuses in French sure. Lake when I was yeah. just in high school, you know, and I'd say, yeah, I said, uh, yeah, you guys, well, why was it now you, that Marvin Wooden couldn't coach here? What, what was it? Yeah. And he said, well, he couldn't, he couldn't coach against the zone. I said, oh, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> seemed, <laughs> seemed like he adjusted, but uh, so, you know, <laughs> but I always thought that was kind of interesting. All right, we're gonna we're gonna backslide a little bit into some of these uh, more out there questions, Jerry. And uh, this first one is from a um, friend of the podcast, Carmichael Dave, who uh, would like your guys' opinion on this. Uh, a friend, <laughs> a friend of the podcast. <laughs> he listens. Okay. He, he, yeah, he, right. he he ribs us every now and again. So uh, so we'll give yeah, it to he's, him. He's the best. <laughs> yeah, we'll give it to him. Um, all right, his question, his very serious question is. Jerry, is cereal a soup? Is cereal a soup? It is absolutely not a soup. <laughs> and and if you believe that, then you are an alien. <laughs> I have that on known, absolute known fact. 
Tony, do you think uh, do, do you uh, do you think cereal is a soup? Cereal is uh, is absolutely not a soup. But also, just want to say thank you to Dave because he's been very supportive of the King's Herald since we launched, um, supporting us on Patreon, supporting us with uh, merch and other things. So uh, it takes a village to create an independent sports blog, and and I I know we all certainly appreciate anyone's support, but obviously someone like Carmichael Dave supporting us is, is, uh, is nice. So appreciate that. But no, cereal is not a soup. It's a, it's a very silly question. Will you cannot possibly think <laughs> that cereal is a soup. No, I'll, I'll, um, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to go three for three here. Uh, soup is um, heated liquid, a broth of some sort with simmering meats and vegetables, uh, sometimes seafood, I guess. Milk is, or uh, cereal is just cold milk with grain. And so that cannot be considered a soup in any way. Oatmeal, you might be able to convince me oatmeal is technically a soup because it's hot liquid with grains warmed up. But no, cereal in no way can be considered a soup. Well, someday for lunch, uh, I'll meet Dave and, and, be, and buy you some uh, uh, maybe Cheerio soup. How's that? <laughs> is, is chili a soup? Just thinking off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, no, I, th I, I think so. I think chili soup, the way I make it, it is. Yeah, I, th I think mm. it depends on the viscosity. How much liquid yeah. is in your chili? If it's a yeah. thick, then it, then it's probably not. Then it's probably just a, an offshoot of soup. But if it's yeah. real runny, if it's you know, then I, you you can convince me. Well, if you eat it with a soup spoon, I think it's soup. <laughs> yeah, it's whoever made it, whatever they say it is, that's what it is. Yeah, like if, if you made me chili and you said have some soup, I'd be like, hey, thanks, man, appreciate it. Thanks for the soup. But, but that's a great point. But, that's a great cereal. point, though. Well, I mean, how thick it is, you know. I mean, if you, I, you know, that that's a great point. If it's real, real thick, I mean, but I've never seen it to where you where you didn't have some liquid in there. I mean, to where you kind of stirred yeah. around a little bit. These are heavy questions. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> these are these are difficult. Dave, Dave's coming well, at us hard. He wants to know the hard hitting well, stuff. A, I mean, he's well. We know he's a marvel. He's just a damn marvel. That's all he is. Yeah. <laughs> also, I mean, we can't. Uh, hopefully, this isn't. Dave takes it the right way, but Dave, um, Dave asking us the food questions is not a great look considering all of the, the images that we see from Golden One Center courtside. I mean, I feel like Dave should have the answer yeah. to this. Yeah, that's a great. He doesn't need us to answer this question for him. Jerry, I don't know how much you get of that. Do you, do you see those pictures? Of, do you see those pictures of Dave constantly eating uh, over at G1C? No, this is these are some of the things I try to avoid at all costs. At, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm traumatized. I'm traumatized on enough levels. We've we've seen pictures of Dave on the internet eating brownies, eating popcorn. You know, maybe I think there's even one of him spilling food on himself. Where every time he goes to a game now, there are fans that will stick their phones. And, and zoom in on him just munching on whatever he's eating and getting the worst angles of the man, <laughs> just embarrassing the hell out of him. And he has to take it every single game. Now, that's something I don't believe. I'm not sure you could embarrass Dave. Now, come on. <laughs> no, no, Dave's, Dave's uh, made of pretty stern stuff there. Sure. <laughs> he takes it well. He takes it well. Yeah, he takes it very well. Um, next question is from uh, Yogi Ferrell on Twitter, but not not that Yogi Ferrell, a, a different Yogi Ferrell. Another who's your great? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, he asks uh, Jerry, is "Holy moly, Jim Boboli" an often used saying, or is that just some on-the-fly Jerryism? Is there an origin story there? Yeah, there actually is, and and really, when I used it, uh, I used it once uh, doing a radio with uh, Brian Wheeler. We were doing the uh, 
I was doing the color with Brian Wheeler doing uh, a the Kings and uh, and Seattle game uh, for some reason. I don't know. I can't really give you the reason uh, other than I guess we couldn't do TV or something. And, and so Brian asked me to jump on. And so it was, during during that game, I remembered it. And Mitch was just fabulous, you know, just killing Gary Payton and killing everybody. And uh, he made a steal and then made a shot. And, and I said, holy moly, Jim Bob Bowley. Now, there was a meaning to it, not just my own idiocy. Uh, but when I was in high school, there was a, a kid from Cordon, Indiana, which is about 30 miles from French Lick, uh, Springs Valley High School, where I went, that was one of the best players in the state named Jim Bowley. And so uh, anyway, so he that was kind of the, the, the deal there, because I always remember I, I always said, I'm, I'm better than friggin' Jim Bowley, for God's sakes. And, <laughs> and so, you know, it's always kind of a holy moly Jim Bob Bowley. And, and you know, anyway, that's where it came from. But anyway, I, I just, uh, yeah, Corden Panthers, Jim was... Bob Bowley, baby. He was good. He <laughs> yeah. was good. He wasn't good as no I No Jerry was. Reynolds, though. He yeah, wasn't. No, Jerry no, I kicked no, his ass. No Jerry I did kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use Jim Bowley as like a, I don't know, whoever my nemesis is at the time now. That's a great little story. I love that. And Jerry, you know, we're going to have to track down Jim Bowley at some point and see if he can come on the podcast so you can yeah. just talk smack to him for an I, hour. Well, yeah, I, I actually passed away about three years ago. Well, so you're going to have, yeah. so if you could do that, I think it'd really make for great ratings. King's Herald's seance <laughs> podcast will be a very strange, a very strange avenue to go yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. And really, if he does and has something different to say, I wouldn't argue with it. I'll tell you that. September's a slow month for basketball. We yeah. can try like a resurrection. <laughs> uh, okay. This is a, this is from my uh, Jim Bowley. This is a, this is from K Lamb, who's a, a, a He's fantastic on Twitter, but he's also a big time uh, a Kings Herald uh, commenter. And he he said, uh, "You've uh, you're given one million dollars and need to do something with it right away. What do you do with it? Do you spend some on a house? Do you put it in savings? Do you give it away? Um, bribe Vivek to get a new coach? Buy Blu-rays of Lady Bird and Little Women or <laughs> other? Jerry, what would you do if you had a million dollars and you had to spend it right away? I, I would honestly, I, I think I would do." give it to charity, various charities that I, I really am involved in. And I think a lot of, I mean, you know, whether it's a juvenile diabetes or, or, or uh, animal shelters uh, really close to my heart and uh, leukemia foundation. There's a few there. And then, uh, you know, my youngest brother passed recently and we were very close and I'd like to, and I will uh, try to donate something back in French, like in his name, you know, mm -hmm. uh, maybe a little, little something at the high school or something that's certainly in the works. So I so that those, those would be the primary things. And uh, then, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, get Mrs. Reynolds a, a better car. She's, you know, she's got a nice car, but you, I wouldn't buy a new one. I never buy new cars. I don't believe in it. I like used cars for a lot of reasons. Uh, so I'd, I'd buy her one three or four years old. So when she uh, wrecks it, it, you know, we won't hurt as much, you know, banging up used cars is less painful. <laughs> Tony, what are you doing with it? Uh, I don't have a nearly as um, uh, 
goodwill type of answer. I'll be a little bit more selfish here and just say that uh, my family just didn't do a lot of traveling growing up. I haven't really seen a lot of the country, the world. I've been stuck in pretty much the same town, the same region of Massachusetts for my entire life. So I'd quit my job and I'd go see what else is what else is out there because I have uh, I'm pretty ignorant when it comes to the rest of the universe and I'd like to change that. And a million dollars would go a, a nice long way in making that happen. Well, I think with a million dollars, traveling's nice. Uh, scholarships would be nice. I um, I don't own a house, but a million dollars wouldn't go very far in, in Sacramento. I, I might I might be able to get a nice you know little place at at this point, or if I waited a little bit, it would it would be a nice da- down payment on something. <laughs> so I'm just going to use it to screw with people. I think a million dollars. I might. I mean, sure, I could sure I could invest in a business or something like that. And yeah, absolutely, the King's Herald would certainly have a physical office somewhere. Where I could go every day to just sit down and and yell at people on the internet from the comfort of an air conditioned uh, conference table, but I, I think I think eventually I'd just end up messing with people. I would I would uh, I would go to uh, my rival high school and um, pay enough money to get my name on the center court, even though I, as a six man, and with with no real professional prospects at all, I do not deserve that. I would be like take put my name on the gym and I'll give you the money. <laughs> Um, I, I might, I might, I might, uh, ban only K lamb from the King's Herald and I would pay hush money to anyone who asked why, um, I, I might go meet Greta Gerwig just to see if I could pay one-on-one for a cameo in a Greta Gerwig movie, because Kevin, after six years of being on Twitter or five years of being on Twitter will still harass me over spelling her name wrong <laughs> once in a preview. <laughs> uh, you know, I would, I would do, I would do small things that the Count of Monte Cristo might blush at, just to screw with everybody that I want to screw with. And then when the money was over, I would just pack up shop. I would sell my conference table, and I'd get that right back to work, doing my life as I was prior to winning whatever money I got this from. Yeah, I would say if we could change this answer into like, what if the King's Herald suddenly had a million dollars? There's a ton of really cool things we could yeah. do. So if anyone out there, a sponsor or a, a millionaire wants to just dump this company a million dollars and, and see what we can do with it. Um, I don't know, just throwing that out there. If anyone would like to like to offer, that would be pretty fun. We could do a lot of fun stuff. Give it to the company, not to me, because I will I will waste it. The ownership as a group, they would do fantastic things with that money. You'd get a return on your investment. Please, Lord, give us this money. But if you give it to me, I will not commit to doing anything but just absolute asinine acts of vengeance. So, so there we go. Just in other words, yeah, spend it on wine, women, and song, and just waste the rest. <laughs> yeah, huh? yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, speaking of the King's Herald, next question comes from uh, one of our one of our pals over here, Kevin Pippen, um, our great social media manager. Uh, in addition to other things, and Kevin asks um, Jerry. The King's broadcast has a color analyst vacancy. Calling back in Jerry's decades of experience, what qualities make for a great color analyst? That, that was a great question. I, you know, for me, I, I think what you want in it is, and I, is a is a guy who can give you, a, you know, good analysis of the game without without taking over the game. In other words, uh, you know, kind of staying in the background, uh, you know, pointing out things that maybe you need to know. Uh, certainly you want to have somebody that's going to entertain you. I always said guys like uh, Steve Kerr, when he was uh, doing uh, a color, I, I really enjoyed him because he gave good analysis, but uh, basically was a bit low key, had a good sense of humor, uh, you know, didn't uh, 
didn't talk over the game. And I think so many of the color analysts now talk over the game or, or where the, you know, it's okay to see the, for, you know, have the game go up and down the floor without somebody talking, you know, I mean, it's on TV, you can see. Uh, and, and so I, I, I think uh, I've always thought to, to me, uh, uh, the better color analysts always understand that the play by play, he's the professional, he's the talent and it's up to you to fit in. I always said, you know, as a color analyst, what I wanted to be was Bobby Jackson, a great, mm. great uh, fill-in guy to, to try to come in and make it better if I could, where I could type thing. And, and, uh, and then be yourself, you know, I mean, I, I think that's a lot of it is you can't be somebody else. You know, I mean, Walt Fraser's Walt Fraser and he's, I really enjoy him. He's strange but he's good at what he does. Well, somebody else can't be Walt Fraser, you know, and, uh, you know, so anyway, I, I, I think that's, I, I think it's a matter of, of fitting in with the color. I mean, with the, uh, the play by play and trying to be honest and fair uh, as you can uh, with the game. Uh, you know, I, I, I know Grant always used to kid me because I told him once late in the season, how I said, I think, our main quality now is to try to convince people they're not seeing what they're actually seeing, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, which is actually true. I mean, you want people to watch the game and sometimes, so you, you, you try to get, you know, at times you have to get away from the game or in my mind, I always tried to be fair to the opponents. I uh, just, yeah. I try to be fair to the opponents and the refs. And, and sometimes that's hard because the refs make mistakes and it hurts you, but I've always said with my feeling about refs is that, that, you know, for, for every player to bitch at them on every call, how would they like it if the ref run up to when they missed a wide open layup and was yelling at them, they, yeah. you know, you idiot, can't you make a layup? <laughs> what, what, you know, that sort of thing. So I don't know. I, I, you know, I mean, it was a interesting time for, for me to do it. I don't know how good I was at it, but I, uh, you know, I just tried to have my own style and, and I, and I kind of watched others that I admired a lot. Bill Raftery on the college games. I like a lot because he, he gives you some information, but doesn't lecture you. Some people like that. I mean, I like Hubie Brown. He gives you a lot of, sometimes I think it's too much. And as much as I like Doris Burke, I think she, uh, she trying to sometimes overdoes it by trying to impress you. Uh, and I mean, I think, you know, uh, most of us, and I know myself, I love watching basketball, but I, I, I want to just kind of watch the game and have you point out stuff. I don't need a coaching lecture or a coaching clinic. <laughs> you know, I, I can see, yeah, they, the guy switched, or we don't need to get into a whole dichotomy of why they switched or, or this or that. So yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense or not. Will, from a, from a fan perspective, what do you look for in a color analyst what like what you don't need to name a specific name if you don't want to for who should get the king's job but what do you want to see in that role as someone who watches the games i i, I want to see somebody jerry you, you mentioned that you you tried to be fair uh to the oppose uh, to the opponents and to the refs and that that's something to me that always stood out because you'd go and watch other games of other teams at, you know on their local channels and whatnot and it would be it would i, I mean not naming any names but it was pretty asinine sometimes how big a homer um, especially uh, the color guys would be in terms of uh, how big they had to stand for their own team. And, and I, I always appreciate it. And I have 
friends around the league and that they would listen to Kings games or watch Kings games, not necessarily for the Kings because they were terrible because they'd liked you and they liked your interactions with, with, with Grant. They, they just enjoyed having some fairness there and they knew that their team would get a fair shake, you know, when, when you were the one that was uh, commentating on their game. I think that's a big deal. I think being true to their personality too. I think there's some times where, there's some players or, you know, ex-players that go into commentating that they, they try to do too much or they try to they try to be this personality that they're not necessarily, you know, true to their, themselves. And you can tell you can tell that when there's an acting job going on and and for for a fan, that's difficult sometimes for me to go, like, come, come on, just just say just say what you really think. You know, don't, you know, don't don't bullshit me because mm-hmm. I can I can hear it and fans can hear that. And you, you can only hear so much before you go. Um, you know, I'll mute it or I'll turn it off or I'll switch to another game. And I think volume is maybe the third one. I, I, uh, uh, yeah. but Charlotte Hornets guys are the guys that I enjoy them as a, almost like a joke. You know, Eric Collins does a great job, but he is excited, you know, all the time. And you can, you know, it's yeah. a, it's a regular bounce pass into the lane for a layup. And he is screaming like they just won an NBA championship off a of buzzer beater. And he's a play-by-play guy, but you know, guys like that, sometimes it's like, I get it. Like I, I, I like a Gus Johnson who is hyped up sometimes or hyped up a lot of the time, but like, where's the end point? Where's the ceiling to this? Because at some point you're just blowing out your vocal cords and you're giving me a headache because LaMelo ball threw a decent oop on a backdoor cut. Like, uh, I, you know, knowing when to be excited uh, is, is huge for, I think a color guy and when to understand that like, Oh, that was a good play sometimes like oh okay that's expected a nice thing is expected to happen not not to just fall out of your seat screaming every time anything remotely interesting happens yeah that that was one of the things that when i first started working with grant and i think it took us a while to develop a a chemistry and i mean i always um, appreciated how talented he was and he's he's the lead man but uh you know, he was, because I remember just talking to him once and I said, Grant, I mean, you know, it's 10 to 8 in the first quarter. A guy makes a 12-foot shot and he's, you know, you think, you know, they're hanging a banner. I said, good grief. I said, what would you, what would you do if it's the last shot of the game? I mean, uh, there needs to be a difference. <laughs> I said, you know, I, did tell I said, you know, it's 10 to 8 and the guy that made that shot was an easy shot, actually. And he's making $15 million. I, I mean, really, uh, there's not really a big reason to get too excited about that. I mean, now we'll get, I'd be more excited if it's the last shot of the game, even if it's an easy yeah. shot, because that means winning. And uh, so, but I, I do, I think, uh, I think we're seeing with the play by play and color. Uh, I, I do think to it's gotten maybe o- over a little bit went, too much over the top, you know, the pendulum has kind of swung to where everybody thinks they've got to come up with a catchphrase or, or yeah. outdo the emotion of somebody else. And, and I think just the game itself, I, that's kind of, where I guess where I'm old school. I, I really enjoy basketball, the game, you know, just the game. And uh, so just let the game uh, sh- uh, ha- have fun with the game. And that's kind of why I always try to give the other team credit. Because I like good play, even if it's not by the Kings, and sadly, not enough was by the Kings. Uh, but but you know you can appreciate, you know if you can't appreciate great play by the other team, 
I think you're in the wrong business. I think my sneaking suspicion is that somebody like an Eric Collins understands that the game is now seen in 20 second snippets on Twitter and on Instagram. And so if LaMelo ball is in the first quarter and he throws an around the back pass for a three pointer that that's going to get on sports center. And so he wants to, Mm -hmm. he wants people to be hyped up. He, he wants them to know this is the greatest pass you'll see tonight, even though it was, well, scores four to two and they're headed down the court, you know, I think that he knows that 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 soundbite is more important to Twitter and Instagram and SportsCenter than yeah, that, it is and to the actual. And that's what'll get on there. Yes. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that's what gets on that there. Will help him get on SportsCenter every single night. I'm glad you mentioned this, just because I, I don't know. Maybe Jerry doesn't understand how good him, he and Grant were, but there we were so we're very yeah. online basketball fans. So we see what fans of other teams are saying. And that Kings broadcast was a broadcast that other fans from other teams sought out when their team was playing in Sacramento or they were not disappointed when they couldn't get their home feed because at least, you know, Grant and Jerry were good. And I would just say for what I um, look forward to or for in a color analyst is just um, be honest with me a little bit, you know, like I think at times last year, the Kings broadcast Mm -hmm. was a, uh, not, I don't want to say dishonest, but they were more excited than they should be for the team they were covering. And I never felt like uh, Grant or Jerry, but Jerry, because he was a color analyst, was ever uh, dishonest with me about the game that he was watching. And you found you found ways to be critical without being mean-spirited or, or anyone in the organization taking it in any sort of way. Or I mean, I don't know if that's how they took it, but at least from a viewer, it never seemed unfair or in a way that anyone would be critical of you inside the organization and then from the outside it was like oh this is there's this is a very honest commentary about what is happening on the court and I think um, at least for me I still hold other uh, broadcast teams to that same bar and then I have to remember like oh maybe it's not that fair because I'm sure Jerry that you and Grant had such incredible chemistry by the time that I was watching you that it would be hard for a new Kings team to right away be at that level or any other broadcast team the Kings bring in to be at that level that quickly because you guys had done it for for such a long time and by the time I was watching heavily those broadcasts were just so seamless they seemed so smooth and it's uh still the bar that I'm looking for anyways but you know you make a great point honestly it it took at least in my mind I thought it took us three or four years to really develop good chemistry and you know by the end I mean it's always almost like an old couple where I, I knew kind of when I'm supposed to say something or what he was expecting and this, that, and the other. And, and, you know, he knew, you know, where he could pull my chains or whatever. And so, yeah, but it takes a while. That's why I say you, you know, patience is a virtue uh, on that basis as well. You know, with, uh, with, with the uh, color combos and, and the broadcast teams, and it will be interesting to see what the Kings do there. I mean, uh, you know, I thought Katie did a nice job in the summer league, uh, whether she'd be the right choice or not. I, I mean, I, I, I think she'd be a very good choice whether she's the best choice i can't answer that i have another question here about uh broadcasting that kind of fits in um this comes from brad hill and it kind of touches on what we just talked about but he asks at any point during your time on the broadcast team was there ever pressure from the team to paint a rosier picture of the franchise than the roster and play dictated you know i i never did get any kind of pressure that way i i mean i i think uh I think the reason being, of course, is that I think we were fair to the home team, uh, you know, and I'm a homer. I never denied that. I, I was for the home team. I was for the Kings. I just wasn't against everybody else. 
<laughs> you know, I think that may be the difference. And I, I, I sense that sometimes watching different uh, broadcast teams where they really have a almost a, you know, basically against the other team, you know, looking for bad things to say. And I, so I never saw a purpose in that. Uh, that was one of the things I disagreed with Grant on a little bit is that uh, when players left the Kings, you know, if I was positive about them when they were on the Kings, I wasn't going to say much negative about them when they left. Uh, you know, and I, I always felt like, and I've, I've told him, I thought, you know, you, you didn't criticize them when they're here. Why, why would you do that when they're gone? Uh, you know, just mm -hmm. the same, you know, I mean, we, and cause, cause really, I mean, we knew some things we could criticize them about a little more, but we didn't, well, we chose not to. Mm -hmm. So why, why just because they got a different Jersey on, I, I never, I never quite bought that. All right, Jerry, I've got one from uh, King's Herald user Outrider. He asked, if you can meet and talk to anyone for five minutes, even if it's historical, who would it be? Probably there'd be two, two really people that interest me. I mean, I, I, Jesus would be number one. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm sure he'd want to talk to me, uh, but uh, <laughs> he'd probably have some, some things he'd say, you might need to work on this. Uh, but, but, you know, Harry Truman, uh, you know, I, I I've always admired him, and I'm not saying that he was the greatest president or anything like that, but the thing I admired about him, and, I, and I've read a lot about him, is, I mean, he was a, a, a politician that wasn't really a politician. And and I, I've come in my life, become a real uh, dislike for career politicians of all parties. I think they basically become sellouts uh, when you're in it for more than 10 or 12 years. And uh of course, and Harry Truman, I think he had the great statement is any any politician that becomes rich is a crook. Well, that lately that would be about 99.9%. Uh, uh, and so, you know, but and he wasn't, you know, I mean, he basically <laughs> earned a salary. And, and I know the home he lived in, in Independence, Missouri, when he uh, retired and died, and, you know, very common, uh, just a Common man. I, so I, it always struck me, you know, I mean, I, I always felt like he was a rose to the most powerful man in the world, uh, basically, and uh, returned to his roots, had no problem returning to his roots. And, and that's a very rare trait. I don't think we've seen many uh, powerful men do that in recent times, like none. Well, that's a good, that's a good answer, Jerry. Honestly, uh, my dad's a big Harry Truman fan too. And so, so everything you said is like, yeah, no, I've heard this before. This is great. Yeah. Let's go, Tony. Let's hear yours. I don't have like um, a historical figure or athlete that I have found totally aligned with how I feel about things yet that I would like really like to get into a conversation with and dig into to how they think. I'll take it a little bit personal and say there's just members of my family that I haven't had the, um, the luxury or, or fortune to have spoken to ever kind of had some, some a weird upbringing, I guess I would say without spending too much time talking about it. So there's certainly people that I would love to talk to that I haven't had the chance to do that before, just to learn things about, you know, where, 
where these where this Greek family came from? How, how did we get how did we get here in Massachusetts where we got to? There's some things that I would like to know from that perspective. Uh, but then for a, for a little bit more of a of a jokier answer, I, I would like to talk to Bano Udri and Tyreek Evans. You only get five minutes. So what, what's your leadoff question there, Tony? I want to ask Tyreek where where has he been at? Are we coming back? What's the deal? Reinstatement is up. I've been tweeting about it for like two months now. I you know I even this is a tangent. I emailed Tyreek Evans's agent and his agency in the last two months just as a half joke, just to find out where he's been at. Is he going to come back or not? Cause he can, he is eligible for reinstatement. This uh, question went off the rails. Didn't get an answer. Back. So that's what I would ask first. Where's Tyreek? Are you coming back? Have you been in the gym? How's the, how's the clothing line? How's the blue, how's blueprint? How's Lamont? How's your family? Where's the team? That's, what I ask <laughs> that's a fantastic answer. It's, it's the exact opposite of Harry Truman. But, yeah, exactly. but, <laughs> um, I'm going to go a different way too. Um, uh, I, I had, uh, one of the smallest it's okay. So I had my car stolen once and, um, uh, my girlfriend took it to go somewhere. She left the keys in the ignition uh, she parked it under the overhang of my apartment complex. She closed the door. She went, she came in, she went to sleep and I woke up the next morning to go to work and my car was gone. And so I, in my, in my, um, panic, I got on a couple of Crocs and I was in my boxers and a, and, and a, a t-shirt and I went running up and down the street looking for it all over the neighborhood. And uh, I, uh, I, I couldn't find it, but because of that, uh, I lost my job. Uh, I uh, ended up moving um, um, across California back home to, to kind of uh, re regroup. Uh, it, it completely changed my life. And uh, I, I guess, so, so I did end up finding the car. I found the car later that day. And uh, when the police officer called me, he said, um, do you have anyone that has any personal grudges against you? Like a, 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 an angry ex-girlfriend or a, a, a somebody you owe money to? And I said, no, not that I know of. And they went, okay, well, when you come down here, we'll talk about it. And so I showed up and whoever had stolen my car didn't just take the car and, 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 and sell it for parts or anything else like that. Uh, they they destroyed the car in the strangest of ways they broke the mirrors off uh both mirrors off they uh slashed the center console they left um three hundred dollars in gift cards in the um in the glove compartment that i had had just because my birthday wasn't that far away but they took um 17 and quarters and uh they stole one of my favorite pairs of of uh, i had old crocs that i was that i was <laughs> going to donate somewhere they took one of them but they didn't take the other one and they left 300 basketball shoes and and so i guess if i got to sit down and talk to anyone for five minutes it'd be whoever stole my goddamn car and i want to know <laughs> what the hell were you thinking that's a good Why, one you saw you saw hundred dollar gift cards and you didn't take them so were, were you rich did you not like me and you just happened to be going by my car or were you um in need of immediate money and couldn't sell those gift cards. So you took the $17 and change. Did I do something to you? But also to say thank you because, uh, because of that moment, I ended up on a different path in my life with different people in my life because you know you move up to, you move hundreds of miles away and you lose contact with certain people or you lose certain relationships. And I've wound up in a much better spot than probably where I was headed. And so I think at the end, maybe I'll just drop a hundred dollar gift card on them and the other go. Croc so that, that they can wear them <laughs> there you go. or at but, least deal with it. Yeah, but, that sounds like to me, that was basically maybe an angel. 
Yeah. An angel of mercy it, come to get you on a different path. It, it could be Jerry, but also I just need to know why you didn't do certain things. It, <laughs> yeah. I need a Zaprooter film or something where I can at least I needed to know. I saw a, a homeless w- woman um, like six months later walk by with the T-shirt that was in the back of my car and a pair of my sunglasses. And I thought maybe it was her, um, but um, but that was just for a moment. She disappeared around a corner and I tried to chase her and she disappeared. And so I went, well, but I would like to talk to whoever it was who stole my my 2001 Toyota Camry. I was going to say, I'm going to change my answer to that too. I want to talk to the person that stole Will's Camry. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, 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 like, I was going to say, it sounds like it, you know, you, you had somebody that didn't like you and it's pretty stupid, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the ultimate thing here is I want us to all meet these people at the same time. So I want to sit down at a table with Harry Truman, the lady that's or the person that Harry stole Gibbs. my car, Tyree Gevins, and some, yeah. some, some, some great members of Tony's family. And I think, as I pointed out earlier, then probably Jesus could put and us Jesus. All, yeah, could all yeah. bring us he can could, be the moderator could, could probably pull it all together for us yeah wow what perfect. a podcast that would be five minutes <laughs> all right tony these are all yours i'm out of questions here okay i got i got two more then we can can finish this but i got two that i wanted to get to um kevin lamb who i think asked a question via will earlier also asked this for jerry um does jerry have anything on his bucket list left that he still wants to do you know i i don't I, offhand I, oh yeah i do there's I would love to go to Australia and New Zealand. Uh, and I mean, that's something my wife and I've talked about. And, and the only reason we haven't is just the idea of being on an airplane 14 hours. And I, and I just hate commercial flights. So may never happen, but I, I mean, I would just love to go there because I've never heard anybody come back that didn't really enjoy it. So that would be one I, I did. Uh, complete. I've been in every all fifty states of, of America, Ooh. and that was on my bucket list. And I know, yeah. uh, you know, so it's some of them aren't that easy to get to. You know, up, up, up uh, yeah. Tony's way up Maine and and, <laughs> and New Hampshire, and Vermont, knows, uh, but and then South, North, and South Dakota <laughs> are on the the normal path. But uh, so, but I have in Alaska. So, so that was good. I. Yeah, other than that, I, I, I can't uh, I can't think of too many things. You know, I mean, you know, you once you've lived as long as I have, I mean, fortunately, you, you know, just being in the NBA allowed me to see a lot of things and do a lot of things. And, and most of my uh, dreams were the result of the game itself and people who were involved in it. And I've gotten to know and meet just about all the greats, which was a you know, that was a, the Oscar Robertson, Jerry West thing was super for me because they were my heroes and get to meet them. And I still think Oscar might be the very best player it's ever played, really. When you just look at absolute total, dumb, total mastery of all fundamental skills, you know, I mean, just simply no, no weaknesses at all. Will, what's on the uh, what's on the Will Griffith bucket list? Oh, I haven't checked off a single thing on my bucket list. Yeah, because yeah. the top one is finding the person that stole my Toyota Camry. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, uh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm with Jerry. Um, I, I, honestly, Jerry, I've been planning a, an Australian vacation with my girlfriend for a couple of years down the road when things are a little bit more settled and financially viable. But um, that's that's been kind of my number one spot too for a while. Um, but uh, having not been a fan of flights, um, they also have cruises. I don't know how you feel about a 29 night cruise to Australia, Ooh. but, 
but you can do it for seven thousand dollars mm-hmm. um you know I, I tony i'd like to travel more i'd like to uh there's people i'd like to have on this this podcast i'd like to uh you know own a house and have some kids in terms of bucket list silly little bucket list stuff but um I can't think of any one big thing that I need. I, I, I'm I'm pretty content to live a little happy life and to make sure that uh, the people around me are taken care of. And um, so if if I if I never get to Australia, but I, but uh, my the people in my immediate life are happy, then I'll, I'll never complain about it. Yeah, I think um, to answer the million dollar question and this question together, I would say something that I would use that money for is to uh, take a break from the world so I can spend some time with myself to think about what a bucket list might even look like. And I know a lot of people that in our age range can probably sympathize with this feeling that we've just sort of been going and going and going Mm -hmm. since after college that I haven't had a chance to sit down and think about what I actually want to do. What I, what would actually be on a real bucket list? What, what would, what's really important to me? I haven't really had an opportunity to do that. And maybe it's, that's on me to carve out some time and, you know, maybe work isn't that important. I can leave that for a minute or whatever. Um, so, so those questions fold together for me where I would spend some money to figure out what Tony actually wants to do and then start checking those things off because uh, I don't have a bucket list yet. Like you will, I guess I, I kind of, I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a simple person who's living a pretty simple life at the moment. Uh, I don't know if things are always going to be that way or if I want them to always be that way, but taking some time to think about that would be, would be very beneficial. That sounds like a great time. You know, one other thing I just had thought about, I mean, because my wife and I have talked about this is that you know, I, I, and I really would like to do it. I, I is just take a car trip, you know, just and, and go back, you know, while I'm still able to do it, which may not be as longer and go back through my career and just think and be able yeah. to see and think people that's helped me along the way. You know, I, you know, you just sometimes you, you know, you make you make friends in different places and you're really, uh, and they really have helped, but you get away from it. It's no, you know, they go their way, you go yours. And, and, and those that are still alive, you know, if, if I could uh, just spend time to thank them personally, you know, I, I've always thought that I would like to be able to do that. Yeah, that's great, Jerry. All right. Uh, this is, I got this question quite a bit, uh, but I'll use the one that I got from John Sigara on Twitter. And um, he just wants Jerry to talk about Ricky Barry and the kind of player that he was. I got a, a lot of Ricky Barry questions. Hey, what? Uh, yeah, Ricky, uh, it was one of the saddest days of my life, the, uh, the day he passed and uh, took his life. But uh, yeah, I had him as a rookie and uh, as a coach and delightful young man to coach, uh, hard worker marvelously talented would have been an all-star I, i've always said i i think he was would definitely have been better than pager a very you know mm-hmm. more skilled with the ball could do more with the ball and almost as good a shooter and you know could play the two guard easier than pager could but probably the best at small forward but certainly would have been i think a multiple here again, I mean, you look back on if certain things happened that changed the trajectory of a franchise, uh, that was one. I mean, because he, he was he was he was a twenty point plus guy for ten years. Uh, you could just mark it down, and uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely think it, you know his potential was the the equal to just about any of the very best players. Uh, to, to ever come through here. And, uh, and I, and I mean that, you know, very much a, a Jason Tatum caliber player. 
yeah, yeah every bit that and uh tough-minded uh yeah i'll never understand you know um, i'll never understand but uh yeah and i uh yeah i really uh like i say really enjoyed really enjoyed coaching him. i didn't play him a lot early in his rookie year when he should have played uh but i wanted him to i wanted him to know when he when i put him in there that it was his job and and those so that the other veterans when i because i'd have to take a couple of veterans out and you know i i just wanted to say okay and i told him that i said when it's pretty clear you're you're clearly better than these guys which you probably are now but it's not clear uh then we'll put you in there and of course he you know like his first starter started at 30 points or something and, and average wow. average about eight, 18 or 20 the rest of the year it was gonna the game was easy for him yes yeah. anyway so yeah ricky barry mm. uh, no question i mean it, that was a that was a franchise, uh, uh, not just a, a, a nice person, but I mean, just the selfish the, from a coach, from a franchise. I mean, it was it was a trajectory changer. Yeah. Um, Will, that's all. I mean, I got a few more, but we've been going for a while now, so we can save these for, for next round. So that's it. That's it for me. Absolutely. Well, we don't have a Patreon question today because uh, we don't need a Patreon question today. Uh, I, I would uh, I would ask that anyone who was listening to this, who's enjoyed our uh, our banter back and forth, we we do these every month on Patreon. Uh, you'd go to patreon.com uh, slash uh, Kings Herald. You could sign up. It's it's uh, we got different tiers, but five dollars a month will get you a, a podcast just like this every single month where we answer anything and everything that comes down the pipe for us. Um, um, Obviously, you can uh, you can uh, stop it at any time. So if you only have one question to ask and you want to ask it and then quit, you can. But um, so without any Patreon question, I'm going to go right over here to Jerry for the for the Reynolds wrap up of the day. And and Jerry, why don't you take it from us? Well, I, I just want to thank uh, Patreons for the questions and the fact you're Patreons. I really enjoyed it. And I apologize ahead of time for whether I answered your question as best I could, but you got to keep in mind, uh, brain cells are leaving me at a rapid rate here. <laughs> and I'm, I'm doing, I mean, I'm doing the best I can. Uh, and so, uh, so to try to try to keep that in mind, you know, uh, but anyway, I, I enjoy the heck out of it and I appreciate your support and uh, hopefully we can uh, do this for a little while longer. Absolutely. So for all of us here uh, on the podcast and uh, at the Kings Herald, we'd like to thank you again for listening to another episode of the Kings Herald show. And uh, hopefully when this is released, we, uh, we don't have any Ben Simmons uh, trades on the, on the horizon or anything else that happens. So <laughs> pray, pray for boring and, uh, and we'll see you next time on, uh, on the Kings Herald show. Thanks for listening.